Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Listen, I hope that you are enjoying the content that we're putting out, and I hope that you're learning how to be yourself even just a little bit more. I mean, the goal of this podcast is to perfect the art of being you, to get good at being comfortable in who you are and what makes you unique. And I am hoping that we're hitting that mark for you. I hope that as you're listening week after week, you're finding yourself growing, you're finding your heart coming alive in God and all of that good stuff. So recently I was speaking at a women's retreat in Montana, actually, in Great Falls, Montana, and I wanted to repurpose the messages I spoke there for the podcast so that all of you guys can glean from some of the words the Lord has given me for that. I personally was really impacted by these messages as God was delivering them to me or downloading them to me, and I think that you will be as well. Today we're talking all about how do you even know what your purpose in life is on a very, very practical and simple level. Here's the reality. All of us, well, maybe you don't, but for me, I dreamed for a really long time that I would have this encounter with God where maybe a prophet or someone who I knew that really heard from the Lord would come and proclaim to me, thus says the Lord, Rachel, you're going to do this and this and this, and your life is going to be amazing. And to be honest with you, here I am at 36 years old, and I've been around the gifts of the Spirit for a very, very long time, and that has never happened to me. And what I began to learn on my journey was that the precedent in Scripture of how we receive a calling from God is actually not what I just described. It's become the precedent in our charismatic circles. If you go to a church that's really comfortable with the gifts of the spirit or people give and receive prophetic words regularly, that's sort of what we have gleaned to understand as how God speaks. But the reality is God does not want to use an intermediary with his kids. What do I mean by that? If I'm sitting on the couch with, let's say, my son Jack, who is seven, he's not a big snuggler, which might be part of why I enjoy sitting next to him, because um, I don't like to snuggle that much either. So if I'm sitting next to him and I've got my arm around him and we're watching a TV show or whatnot, wouldn't it be so weird if I shouted out to my husband, hey, Grant, can you tell Jack how much I love him? I mean, here Jack and I are sitting side by side, very close together, but yet then I would use someone else to communicate to him instead of my own voice right to his heart. That's how we are with God. God wants to have a relationship with you where he is speaking directly to your heart, to your spirit, to your mind, and the intermediaries or the other people come and confirm what God is speaking, but they do not become God's voice in our lives. I think maybe at some level we all sort of know this, but when it gets into the practical side of life, it gets a little bit more muddled, right? It gets a little bit more challenging because we start to wonder if we can truly be confident in the things that God has said to us. I know for me, I had a moment in my car when I was 17 years old. I had just gotten out of a really long relationship. I dated someone for about a year 
And this person had really become my best friend over the course of that time. And when we broke up, I felt this enormous vacuum, a relational void in my life. And so I went and had a rebound relationship with another friend of mine who, if I'm being honest, and this is so embarrassing to admit, I didn't even like, I just liked the company. And after a couple of weeks, I just sort of came to my senses and realized, Rachel, what are you doing? You don't want to be in a relationship with this person. You just need to end things. So I did. And I drove home from that conversation and I was sitting in my um, driveway of my parents' house and I was just saying to God, who am I? What is happening here? I don't like the person that I'm becoming. I need your help, Lord. And in that moment, in the privacy of my own heart, in my car, God spoke something to me. He spoke a promise into my heart that if I followed him, if I stayed with him, he would do great things through my life. I would have dreams that would come true. It was very simple, but that carried me. That one word carried me for several years. As I got into charismatic circles or circles where people use the gifts of the spirit quite a bit, I began to see other people get prophetic words. And this is what I would do. I would, this is so embarrassing, guys. I would be listening to a prophet or a prophetic person declaring destiny over someone. And, and the way they would be saying it is, you know, you're going to you're going to reach this next generation for Jesus. You're going to travel and, and speak, or you're going to go to the nations and you're going to do this or that. And in my wounding and insecurity, then I would hear, and everybody's going to love you, or then you're going to be so cool, or you're going to be church famous, you know, like when you're a famous person in the context of your church, but like outside of your church, you're just sort of a normal person. And it would cause this insecurity in me because I wanted that experience so bad. What did I want? I really wanted a moment where I was kind of like voted prom queen, right? I mean, that's, it, or like maybe prophetic queen, like where I get the word that everybody else wishes they had. And so you get this sort of street cred with all of your friends. That's just not at all what's in God's heart or what the gifts of the spirit are for. But listen, I know at least one of you out there listening to this is just like me in our insecurity and our wounding. We hear things things that God is flat out not saying. So I would get into these settings and God would not use other people to speak destiny over my life. Now, the kicker here is that God himself was speaking destiny to me. God himself was actually talking to me about my calling and my time with the Lord over the course of about seven years that this went on. It was not that I was devoid of understanding of my calling. God was being faithful to speak that to me. He was just being faithful to speak it out of his mouth and not anyone else's. And I will never forget spending time with the Lord and, and God saying this to me, Rachel, the mouth doesn't matter. It's my words. It's my words straight to your heart, or it's my words through the mouth of someone speaking prophetically. The mouthpiece doesn't matter. It's the words that are important. I began to realize the precedent in scripture even is that God does not use an intermediary to speak callings to people. I've got about, I don't know, seven examples of this. We're not going to get into the text of them, but we're going to look at them as the overarching story. The first one, the most obvious one is Abraham. Abraham, at the time that he was called to become the father of nations, he was actually worshiping pagan gods. He was in Babylon. He was, there was no Israelites. He was the beginning of it, right? And so the Lord calls Abraham and he gives him this, calling straight to his heart, this prophetic word straight to his heart. I want you to come on a journey with me. I want to do great things through your life. And no one is there to bear witness. 
There's no confirmation given in this moment. Think about it. This is pretty interesting, right? There's no confirmation given that Abraham actually heard the Lord, but he knew it was God and he responded. All right, let's look at Noah. Same, right? Noah has this encounter with God where God tells him to build this ark and there's going to be this terrible thing that's going to happen. And Noah does not get to weigh that word against all of these other people confirming whether or not it was from God because no one else was told from God. Now that'll stretch your faith. Let's look at Moses. I love the story of Moses, but here we have the same situation. The bush is burning. He leans in to try to figure out why the bush is not being consumed by the fire day after day. And he ends up in this surprise sneak attack encounter uh, by God. I just love the idea of God hiding in a bush, you know, behind this burning bush, waiting for Moses to lean in so he can be like, ah, I have a calling for you. And here it is. Um, Maybe that's just how my imagination works with that. But he gives Moses this calling. Now, if Moses was living in 2019, if Moses was like you and I, then it would look something like this. He would have this radical moment with God at the burning bush and then go home, be drinking his lamb stew with Zavora, his wife, and say something like, honey, you'll never believe. Maybe because, you know, a lot of men, the way their brains work, it takes them a few days to process life. At least that's how it is in my home. So maybe four days later, they're having dinner. Oh, honey, you'll never believe what happened to me four days ago. This bush was on fire. I went and checked it out. God showed up. He told me to go back to Egypt. But, you know, here's the thing. Jethro has heard nothing about this from the Lord. You know, he's the one I'm really looking to for spiritual guidance. And God didn't speak it to him. So I don't think it was really from God. What would have happened to the Israelite people if Moses had wanted that type of a confirmation? If Moses didn't trust that it was God himself speaking to his heart? That's a hard thing to think about. We could go on. We could talk about Gideon. We could talk about Mary. We could talk about Saul, right? When he became Paul, he has this moment on the road of Damascus and he actually gets other people to bear witness to the moment, except that nobody heard what God was saying except Paul. And so it really was still in the privacy of Paul's own heart. We have this moment where Saul and Barnabas, excuse me, Paul and Barnabas are being appointed by the Holy Spirit to go out and do this, um, you know, church planting endeavor. And uh, how does that work? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to the privacy of Paul and Barnabas heart. And then they begin to talk about it and they realize God is calling them to the same thing. They should do it together. So I think that leads me to my question for you and I today, which is what's in your heart? What are the things that God has spoken directly to you that Maybe he has not confirmed through other people, and so you're not paying that much attention to it. Now, I do want to say, I do think there's wisdom in looking for confirmations. When God speaks something like, you know, to Abraham, come out and and I'll be, I'm going to make you the father of nations and let's go on this road trip together. And I have, you have no idea where you're going. Um, you know, when we have big words like that, I think it's okay to ask the Lord for confirmations. There's definitely a scriptural precedent for like, even, you know, thinking of the story of laying out the fleece, right? Um, listen, let's test it. Let's make sure this is God, but we have to be careful the way that we test it. Because if we're looking to a human to validate something that God is saying, then we're really putting that human in a godlike position. So yes, we want wise counsel, but we also need to acknowledge that in our heart and in our soul, if we are submitting ourselves truly to the Lord, he will show us if it's him. For me personally, what I realized was that God wanted me to get comfortable with learning his voice, with trusting his voice, because there would absolutely be times in my life that were coming where other people would not agree that I was hearing from God. And I needed to be confident in who God was for me so that I could continue on my journey with him, even when other people didn't agree. 
Now, I know this sounds dangerous. This sounds different. This maybe sounds sort of countercultural to what you've heard. And again, I'm not saying we throw off all prophetic confirmation or all need to hear from other people, but I am saying we need to trust what God is saying to us. And we need to recognize if there's something that's in our heart, it's because God is putting it there. So if we're talking specifically about our callings, specifically about what God is asking us to do or our purpose on the earth right now, then this gets really interesting because listen, dads like to tell their daughters and their sons straight to their face what they're made of, right? It's, it's, it's been given to the man as one of the roles that God has given to men to be an identity stamper on his children. And God is the same. He wants to speak straight to your face and say, listen, sweetie, this thing I've called you to, maybe it's starting a Bible study. Maybe it's being more outward focused on your social media page and being, you know, sharing the gospel more in that context. Maybe it's taking a coworker out to dinner once a week and really investing in them. I don't know what it is that God's putting in your heart, but what he's putting in your heart, there's, there's a reason why there are actually people on the other side of your obedience that God wants to impact and he wants to use you to impact them. So let's go back to our example with Moses. What would it have looked like if Moses had said to God, I'm not going unless you tell me what's going to happen after I tell Pharaoh to let your people go, right? We all have this in us. Well, Lord, you're asking me to obey something that feels really audacious and uh, really bold, and it's going to cost me everything. And so I need you to tell me the outcome. Listen, friends, I just need to be honest with you for a second. God doesn't do that, but I want to tell you why. The Lord will not manipulate you and he will not inspire you to use fear as a motivational tactic. Why? Because the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear and that God is perfect love. Therefore, there is no fear in God. So God has no fear to use to manipulate you or coerce you. Here's the other factor. If God was to come to you and say, hey, you know this calling I've asked you to do? Like, you know, you know this podcast I've told you to start? You know this project I've been telling you to do? There are other people on the side that they're going to respond to this. And I need you to do this because, listen, if you don't, they're going to be floundering and um, it's going to be really bad. And, and, and let, okay, let's talk about for Moses. If God had said to Moses, listen, all my eggs are in your basket, Mo. Like, I, I saved you from all the baby boys. You're the only one. I would have to go and start completely over to to get someone back into Pharaoh's house. If you don't say yes to this right now, I'm in a real bind. Moses, come on, just obey me. Sometimes for some of us, that's what we want God to do. We want him to stiff arm us like that, right? But again, he will not manipulate you. He will not coerce you. Why? Because if you are inspired to fulfill your purpose through fear, then you have forfeited your eternal inheritance. Listen, if you need fear as a tactic to motivate you to obey, then you are not operating in faith. And the book of Hebrews tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. So God wants you to win while he wins through your obedience, right? It's a win-win thing. So the Lord is not willing for you to obey in fear and then end up forfeiting your eternal reward. So he won't coerce you. He won't manipulate you. He just lays it out gently and he wants you to have faith. He wants you to have childlike trust. He wants you to honor his voice in your heart. I think this is really challenging and convicting for us to consider. But if we are really his children, if we're really his sons and daughters, then we know the voice of our dad, right? And when our dad speaks, then there should be this place of delight to come into a a yes, 
I know sometimes we, we get nervous about what saying yes is going to mean, what, you know, being obedient to the Lord is, is going to do. But listen, I just have to tell you, don't assume you know what's on the other side of your obedience. Just assume you know that God is there. If the Lord is calling you to it, then there's something special he wants out of that. Now, I want to say one more thing. A lot of us, we look at our callings or our purpose. It's, it's not so much our purpose as much as our assignments, right? I have a great podcast. It's actually episode number 11 on here that talks all about the difference between our calling and our assignment. Um, so if you need more about that, you can go listen to that one. But when we are talking about what God is asking us to do, if he's giving us an assignment, this is not something that you go and fulfill for God to get more, you know, to make him more proud, to do it on your own for him, like a gift to him. When the Lord is asking you to do something, it's actually an invitation into a partnership and a relationship where you do it together. And God actually takes the lion's share of it. He takes the bigger portion, the harder share. I think a lot of times when we hear a calling or an assignment from God, we, we go, oh, wow, okay. How am I going to make this happen? How am I going to figure this out? I've got to do this because God asked me to. Listen, friends, if God is asking you to do it, he's asking you not to do it for him, but to do it with him. My encouragement to you is to look at the the words or the avenue of your assignment and to look at it like a doorway. It's an opportunity for you to enter into relationship with him on a deeper level, into partnership with him on a deeper level, because God knows exactly how to do the thing he just asked you to do. He knows exactly how to do it in the best, most possible way that's going to benefit your family uh, in the most incredible ways. But you have to talk to him about it, right? You have to have a relationship with him because otherwise we're just doing it on our own, on our own strength. And then again, we're sort of forfeiting the real reason why he brought us into this place um, in the first place. So one more time, my question to you today, what's in your heart? What has God been speaking to you? And what would it look like if you gave it a little bit more weight? What would it look like in your life if you trusted that it was God just a little bit more? God has great things in store for your life. He has people that he wants to use you to impact. That's how good he is. And maybe, just maybe, through your saying yes, you'll discover who those people are and you'll get to have the joy of seeing them impacted for the kingdom because of something that you did with the Lord, something that God brought you into to impact them. Oh, there is almost nothing better than that. So I am praying for you. I'm praying that as you are spending time with the Lord, you're able to hone in on those things that are already there, those uh, those things that God has already been speaking to you. Let's go back to Abraham just for a quick second. From the moment that God spoke to Abraham when he was in Babylon to the moment that Isaac was born, it was 25 years. 25 years God was working with the seed he'd planted in Abraham's heart. So some of these things, they're long things, right? They're, they're long suffering. <laughs> At least sometimes it feels like that when we're waiting on God to come through with the other part of what we're asked, what we've been asked to do. But if it's in your heart and it's from the Lord and you know, cause you know, you know, it's from the Lord, hold on to it, water it. Don't neglect it. Don't treat it as something less than because a prophetic person didn't confirm it or gave you a word about something else, even though deep in your soul, you know, this is from the Lord. So I just, I'm praying for you. I bless that for you that, um, that if it's a long time before that gets fulfilled, that you will find such an incredible relationship with God in the meantime. And if it's a short time, uh, well then a virtual high five, because those are the best things when we don't have to wait because we're all 
them patient people. All right, total tangent there. So thank you for listening today. Again, I want to encourage you, if this is helpful for you or you know somebody that's right in the middle of trying to decide if they're really hearing from God, send this to them. I would love for you to help me get the word out about this podcast. I know right now we have listeners from multiple different states across the nation, and I'm just so excited about that. And um, I want to see a whole tribe of people who are really confident and comfortable in who they are in God, because when we step into that place, the Holy Spirit just has limitless potential and what he can do on the earth and, and through us. So that's all we got for today. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.